As, as, as many of you know, as some of you may know, uh, we are going to be answering some questions that people submitted a few months back. Uh, but before we get started on answering some of the questions that were submitted to us, um, I just wanted to make sure that I just want to make sure that everybody knows. I want to make sure that we all know where we are coming from. Those of us who are you know, myself, Pastor John, and Lupe, I want everybody to know where we're coming from with our responses, the, the context from which our responses originate. And to put it simply, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is where our answers are coming from. All of our answers and responses to, to the questions that were submitted, that we're going to be discussing, they come from a place of Jesus is Lord. And as we do our best to answer these questions, because, I mean, we're not, we don't know everything. Pastor John and Lupe don't know everything. We don't have all knowledge. We don't have all wisdom. But as we do our best to respond and answer these questions from a place of Jesus is Lord, the question that I want all of you to ask yourselves is this. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Or am I the Lord of my life? That's the question that I want everybody to ask themselves. And I want you all to seriously, seriously ask yourself that question and seriously examine yourself. Is Jesus the Lord of your life or are you the Lord of your life and you're just pretending that it's Jesus? Because if you can just get that settled, if you can get that answer settled, then all the confusion and the uncertainty and the anxiety that I felt coming off of those little colorful post-it notes that the questions were written on, all the confusion and anxiety that was coming off of those questions, that'll all be diminished if you can just get this settled. Is Jesus Lord? Are you following Jesus? Are you pursuing Jesus? Are you looking for ways to be obedient to Jesus? Are you saying yes to Jesus when he is providing you, presenting you with opportunities to serve him. Not opportunities to be recognized or opportunities to be elevated, but opportunities to humbly serve him. We received quite a few questions from you all, and I have to be honest, a fair amount of those questions, they left me tired. I was tired. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, you guys. I, I promise you, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just that as I began to initially try to answer some of those questions that were submitted, I just started to get tired. <laughs> I got tired. And the reason is that a lot of the questions that were submitted, they were posed in such a way where there was an expectation that there was going to be a black or white answer. There was this expectation. And that's a problem. The problem with that is that many of the questions that were submitted, <laughs> there's no black or white answer. There is no black or white answer. There are, there are a lot of nuances. There are a lot of variables. Where's the question coming from? Where's your heart as you're asking this question? What's your history with this area of concern that you're asking about? In what ways have you already tried to answer this question yourself? And how is that affecting the way that you are posing the question? There's no black and white answer for a lot of these questions. Every situation is different. Let me give you some examples of some of the questions. Now, before I do that, I just want to make sure, I don't want anybody to feel like I'm putting them on blast, all right? I'm not putting, I'm not trying to put anybody on blast. So if, if, if your question comes up, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on blast. Nor, nor am I trying to like, like bring down the, the seriousness. I'm not trying to invalidate 
the question that was asked. I'm not, so please don't take offense because no offense is meant. But we received questions like, when is the right time to look for someone? That was a question that we received. When, when do you know you're ready to date? What, what if you are called to be married and you're losing motivation to keep that calling alive? And, you know, other questions that we're going to be discussing, we're going to be looking at tonight. But the answers to those questions are not black and white. They're not black and white. And that's why we are beginning this whole thing. We're beginning this whole night by first asking the question, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Because at the end of the day, the issue or the concern that is central to our discussion tonight is not whether or not you're going to find a spouse. That's not necessarily the main topic of the night. Yes, I know we're going to be talking about singleness and relationships and marriage and all, all of it. We're going to be talking about all of it. But the main topic tonight is not necessarily any of those things. The main topic tonight is this. Who is your God? Who is your God? Because you don't have a singleness issue. You don't have a dating issue. You don't have a marriage issue. You don't have a, I'm just a Ruth looking for my Boaz issue. That's not the issue that you have. You have a God issue. You have a God issue. Who is your God? Who are you trusting with your life? It's extremely important to understand this and to have this sorted out. You know, I've been, I've been approached quite a few times ever since I took over this young adult's ministry, came on as a pastor, where people were telling me that we need, we need, to, we need to spend time focusing on the topic of, of dating and relationships. Like, we need to focus time on this. We need to spend more time talking about these things because that is something that people really need to and they are wanting to hear about. More recently, uh, a brother approached me very sincerely. A brother approached me and he suggested that we could probably benefit from spending some time talking about the issue of lust. We could probably benefit from that. Because in his words, and trust me, I believe him, he, was being, he wasn't wrong when he said this, that there are a lot of people, a lot of brothers especially, that are struggling with lust. And I appreciate the suggestion. And, and I agree with the concern that there are a lot of people that are struggling with lust. But the answer to that issue is not spending time talking about lust or suggesting tactics or strategies or to, to practice when you are confronted with sexual temptation. The answer to this issue was addressing the answer to the question, who is your God? Who is your God? That's the main issue. Because if Jesus is not your God, it's not going to matter what tactics or strategies or porn blocking software that you have on your phone or your computer. If Jesus is not your God, you will find a way to satisfy your desires. Plain and simple. You don't have a lust problem. You have a God problem. You don't have an anger problem. You have a God problem. You don't have a coveting problem. You have a God problem. Who is your God? Is it Jesus or is it you? So tonight, I just want this to be clear. You're not struggling with singleness. You're not struggling in your dating relationships. You're not struggling in your marriage. Your struggle is with God and who exactly that is. Because if you're here tonight and you're saying that you're struggling in your singleness or you're struggling to find a spouse 
or you're believing in your heart that you really have been called to, to be married and, and you're believing that you really need to get this area in your life situated in order, for, in order for, for you to be where God is calling you to be, then you have a God issue. You are your own God. You're so focused on yourself and you need to be redirected to focus on God. And that's, that's what we're here to do tonight. You need to focus on God. This is how you are able, for those of you who pose this question, this is how you are able to move past a breakup. This will help you to understand why you, as a follower of Christ, should not settle for someone who is not following Christ. No matter what they say about themselves or how much they claim to be a Christian, if you ain't following Christ, you can't call yourself a Christian. And if the person that you're interested in or the person that you are currently dating is not following Christ, walking with Christ, being obedient to Christ, however you want to phrase it, then it's time to cut that person out of your life. Plain and simple. Cut them out. Christ must be the focus and center of everything. He must be. Some of you may come here tonight thinking that you were going to get some practical tips and tricks on how to find a spouse, how to find a wife. Give me some smooth lines, man. I think, I think Will's the only one that can use this line. Hi, my name's Will. God's Will. <laughs> Don't lie. Don't lie, Will. You, you said that, didn't you? You dirty dog. Man. All right. Well, anyway. You may have thought that you came here, look, you were going to get some tips and tricks, right? Well, in a way you are. In a way you are but it may not be what you were expecting. Now, just to give you a practical example of what I'm talking about, I really want to get into this Q&A, but just to give you a practical example of what I'm talking about when I say that you need to focus on Christ, I wanted to give you some anecdotal evidence of, from my own life. And, and this kind of goes into the question that was asked, you know, how do you know if this person is the one? So when I was 22 years old, I had been walking with the Lord for about two or three years, as, as many of you know from current first-hand experience, uh, everyone in their early 20s is looking for a spouse. They're looking for their wife. They're looking for their husband. Maybe not everyone, but everyone is looking for their, 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 their future spouse. That's just what you do. And I finally came to a place in my walk where I decided I was going to stop doing that. I'm just like, I'm done. I said, I'm going to stop doing that. I expressed to the Lord that I wasn't going to look for a wife anymore. And I was just going to focus on my relationship with him. I was going to focus on Jesus. And if he, wanted to be, if he wanted me to be single for the rest of my life, I was going to be content with that. Because all that mattered was that I had Jesus. That's all that mattered. Not very long after that, I met Vreni, my wife. I didn't meet her, though, as a potential wife. I didn't scope her out and be like, mm-hmm. And then waited, waited for my moment to pounce, you know? No, that's not how I met her. I met her as a sister in the Lord. And as I submitted myself to Christ in serving him, that's when I met her. When I submitted myself to Christ in serving him, that's when I met Vreni. When I was going to church more than just once a week. When I, I married the church, even as a single man. I was fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters, doing various types of ministry with my brothers and sisters. And as I kept doing those things, the Lord provided an opportunity to meet this sister 
who would eventually become my wife. I wasn't looking for her. I was serving the Lord, focused on the Lord. And as I did that, he brought me my wife. He brought her into my life, and through the guidance of the Lord, she became a friend, and then she became a girlfriend, and then she became a fiance, and then she became a wife, and now she's the mother of my children. But it wasn't until I stopped focusing on myself. It wasn't until I stopped focusing on myself and my own desires, and I put my focus on Jesus, denying myself and trusting him. I counted everything else to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything. Just fully dying to my own desires. You don't need to waste your time figuring out if, if you need to enter into a, quote, season of singleness. Or thinking to yourself, I know I've been called to marriage, but how do I keep that calling alive? I'm losing hope. You don't need to waste your time with that. If you are not married in here, and I'm talking to y'all who are dating as well, if you are not married, you need to enter, enter into a season, not of singleness, but a season of being married to Jesus. That's what you need to enter into. Point blank period, that's the only season that needs to be on your mind. It's not about trying to figure out the right time to date or, or, or the right time to begin pursuing somebody or how to keep the supposed calling alive. Just be busy with Jesus. Be busy with Jesus and wholly devoted to him and he will guide you in this area just like he will guide you in all areas. The area of relationships and marriage is no different than any other area in your life. It's no more complex than all the other areas of your life that God is currently sovereignly taking care of. How are the various systems in your body working right now? This whole time that I've, been, that I've been preaching, you guys have been inhaling and exhaling and inhaling and exhaling. You've been staying alive through your respiration, but you weren't doing it on purpose. Can you explain that? Stop trying to take control away from God. Stop trying to take control away from God and just be busy about Jesus. And this is the place that you all need to be. Stop focusing on yourself and the things that you wish you had or the things that you, you feel you should have, die to that. Just die to that. Be in the place where no matter where the Lord has you, no matter what the Lord has for you, that you're going to be okay with that. And specific to our theme tonight, be in a place where if Jesus decides that you're going to be single for the rest of your life and you're never going to know what it is to be in a relationship, you're never going to know what it is to be married, you're never going to know what it is to be a parent, be in a place where you are going to be content with that. Not because you're an emotional masochist and you, know, you, just, you just want to put yourself through some, through some drama. Not because God is a tyrant and you better obey or else. No. But because you have the maturity to understand that his will is always better than whatever it is you have planned for yourself. His will is always better. And don't think to yourself like, okay, I hear you, Pastor Aboy. I, I heard your story. So you know what? I'm going to stop looking for a husband. I'm, I'm going to stop looking for a wife. So, so when's he going to bring her to me? Like, no, it's, I'm, I'm not, like, I didn't share my testimony to give you, like, a tactic to trick God into, like, oh, wow, he's really focused on me. I think, I think he's ready. Here you go. Hey, you're not focused on me. You just tricked me. 
I'm not trying to teach you guys a tactic. This is simply the sincere and genuine heart that you need to have if you expect to have any true joy and satisfaction in the Lord. Not just in relationships, in general. If you want to have true joy and satisfaction in the Lord, what do you want to do, Lord? I'm, I'm in. What do you want to do? I'm all for it. Let's go. And as a final word before we get into the questions for the night, two things. First thing, pray for your future spouse. Pray for your future spouse. You may not know who they are. You may not know where they are, but you need to be praying for them. Pray for that person, whoever and wherever they are. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. Pray for both you and this person so that when you guys, whenever you guys come together and you guys meet each other, you're focused on the Lord. Start that dedication to prayer now so that when the Lord does bring this person, you will have already established that your entire relationship will be founded on obedience to God. And you're not going to be distracted and begin to like, oh, well, now I got this person in my life. See you, God. Thank you. Second thing, I want to encourage you all not to do this alone. Don't do this alone. And I don't mean simply in, in, the, in the area of, of, of marriage, dating, relationships, all that stuff. I mean in all of this life that is in Christ, don't do this alone. Of course, you know, you have your brothers and sisters here. You have your peers but that's not what I'm talking about. We all need to be submitted to someone. We all need to be living in submission to someone. Book of Ephesians says that, Paul says, submit yourselves to one another. Submit yourselves to one another. We all need to have someone that we are submitted to. We all need to have someone in the Lord who is more mature than we are. Someone that we can go to with our questions and our dilemmas And this someone who is going to act out of love for Jesus and genuine and sincere care for us, for you, this person will be able to help you and give you insight into things that you may be blind to and probably are blind to because we're all blind to something. And don't stop there. Don't just take the good advice. You need to be able to submit to this person. You got to be able to submit to this person. For some of you, you you have godly, Jesus-loving parents in your life. You have that spiritual accountability already provided to you, that spiritual mentor provided to you. And it probably wouldn't hurt to add one or two more. I'm just saying it's good to have you, don't have, you don't need to have a bunch of people, but you know, like two or three total. But if you have these people already, then you need to be submissive to the authority and accountability that these people are in your life. But for others of you, you may not have the luxury of, have, of having godly, Jesus-loving parents. Or maybe you're new to the faith. It's the first time hearing something like this. Maybe you're new to this church. You don't know anybody. Then you need to pray about finding that person, that spiritually mature person, that spiritual authority that will be in your life, and you need to submit yourself to them. God will use these people in your life. He will use these people to help guide you through situations. God established these positions of authority and he has established them for our good, for our protection. But the question is, are you going to submit to that person? Are you going to submit? Or are you going to go rogue? You know, God already told me what he wants me to do. All right. I heard from God. Ain't nobody going to tell me different. Okay. You pull, you, when you pull the God card out, what can anybody do? Let me know how it goes. But we need to find somebody. We need to have that person that we're going to be submitted to. 
So with all that said, I'd like to invite our special guests, guests up here. Pastor John and Lupe, let's go. God bless you guys. How are you? Most of you guys know me. I'm Pastor John. It's my wife, Lupe. We've been married 39 years. And yeah, there was a lot of praying for this night. We've known about it for a while, but I know me and my wife have been praying. Pastor Abel's been praying. We've been talking, me and Pastor Abel. And so, you know what? He's your pastor. He's Zeal's pastor. And he really takes it to heart. You know, when he's developing these messages, he prays. As pastors, we invite everybody to come out on Tuesdays at 12 o'clock, and we pray. We pray before we go to pray. <laughs> so, and that comes from submitting to our head pastor, Pastor Steve, who's our, the pastor of Core Church. And so what Pastor Abel was t- is telling you guys is, Pastor Abel and I, we're held accountable to Pastor Steve, right? God's word, Pastor Steve. I mean, can you imagine if we come up here and start saying something that it's not biblical or Pastor Steve doesn't sign off on that because it's not that. So it's accountability in your lives, all right? And that's a good thing. So how do you want to start? Sorry, it takes time to turn on. Um, let's just get into it. Um, so the plan is we're going to be here in like 9.15-ish, the latest. Um, but we'll gauge it if y'all are just like, no, keep going. Then, you know, we'll keep going. Just relax. Like, man, chill. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's just, let's just start with it. So the first question is kind of like a three-porter. Uh, somebody submitted the question. Pastor, can I interrupt you? Real Do quick? it. All right. Um, you know, my wife always tells me not to embarrass her, right? <laughs> but it's like, if you're me, I mean. He embarrasses me all the time. So anytime I'm in a group of people, you know, God convicted me to say, hey, don't be ashamed of me. And so if you don't know, the world is not your friend. You got three enemies. We all know about Satan. We all know about the world. But your flesh is just tuning you up 24-7. Your flesh is the biggest enemy. So, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, guys, right? And so I'm never ashamed to say in public, I love my wife. This is a gift of God that he's given me. And every day I'm growing to really understand that it's going to take eternity to understand what that really means. Um, me and my wife have some unbelievable history. I mean, we got married at a very young age, and it's not because God, hey, John, I'm going to hook you up. No, it's he wanted us to mature because there's huge storms coming, and somebody's got to be there to pick up the pieces. So it's not a story of our lives tonight, but I do want to tell my wife that I love her in front of you guys. I love my kids, grandkids. We have our sixth grandkid coming. And with that, I just want to give my wife a little gift because I think it's appropriate. I'm not ashamed. Again, I am not ashamed of the Lord. And I'm not ashamed to tell no, my wife I'm about to I love her. out right so now. That's okay. So we can start now, Pastor. So, Do you guys want to see? Yes. I'm going to kill you. Again? <laughs> You're sleeping outside. Okay. 
it's just a little pendant, that's all. A little diamond pendant. Aww. Is this Valentine's? Yeah. Oh, no, no. Thank you. Yeah, don't, you know, if you're married here, let me tell you, be free in Christ Jesus. But it can't, that cannot mean. Find you a guy like him. No, that cannot mean what it means to the world, right? The world can do whatever it wants. So do you take it that you're free in Christ Jesus, do whatever you want? I don't think so. I think you're free to serve Christ by free will, free choice. Because he's not an imposing God. So I'm sorry, Pastor. You got it. I thought you were going to propose again. I was like, oh. It's like, wait, was it never official? <laughs> All right. So the first question, uh, speaking of proposing, um, it's like a three-parter. So somebody uh, asked, what advice would you give to a new married couple, um, which if this was coming from like firsthand experience, there's only like two people who could have asked this question. Um, <laughs> uh, the other question that kind of goes along with that is what advice would you give to uh, a married couple who plans to have children in the future? Again, like two or three people. And then uh, the, the third part to this question is, um, you know, somebody was expressing their concern about disciplining children uh, because this person, um, seems that they had traumatic experiences growing up with, you know, discipline going too far. Um, and so they're asking, like, is, is, it, is it okay to not necessarily spank when you discipline because of, you know, the stuff that I've been through? I, I, I don't think I want to spank my children. And what if my spouse wants to, but I don't and all this stuff. So, like, that's basically the question. So three-parter uh, and seasoned married folks. Go ahead. Okay, well, we'll start with uh, the advice to a, a newly married couple, and I'll start with uh, the book uh, Song of Solomon, um, chapter 4, verse 7, and this is who God says that you are, and that's everybody, not just the ladies. He says that you are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish on you. So you have to conduct yourself that way, always, in your marriage, outside of your marriage. And don't forget that. Um, ladies, your husband or your future husband is not your God. All right? They're not there to make you happy, complete you. That's your God. So everything that Pastor Abel's up here setting the tone for, yeah, you know, is Jesus Lord of your life? And that is something huge. Having said that, Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So it was first mentioned in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and that's part of legacy's thing. Are you putting everything into loving your Lord. Because your God is a God of order. And I know we want what I want. You want what you want. I want what I want. But hold on. Is that your flesh being the boss over you? I hope not. Read First Thessalonians, would you? Yeah, First Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just 
as you also are doing. And then uh, Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another. It says in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. So in your marriage, um, it's very, very important to encourage each other, to lift each other up, um, and just be there for each other, but always with putting God first, always according to what God's will is and his word. And uh, ladies, there will be arguments, there will be some disappointments, there'll be some embarrassing moments, but your husband is not your enemy, okay? Don't you ever come at him and say, I'm going to show you, like he's going to be sleeping out tonight. That was a joke. Guys, (laughs) same thing. Your wife or your future wife is not your enemy. You're, you're starting or you will start a journey of just getting to know that person. That you're spending time, the things that you thought were cute at once, now they're the same things that are getting on your nerves. And because your focus is wrong. Your energy's wrong. And where's your joy of the Lord? So, again, your wife's not your enemy and you're not there to teach her a lesson. Right? As men, you're supposed to lead. And so coming here to Legacy, that's all about it. You are investing. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to invest in you, to invest in you. Same thing with you young ladies. Your focus has to be on, man, what? Lord, I love you. You're just too good to me. Pastor Abel was talking about basically we're all breathing involuntarily. So, yes, God is worried about your physical bodies. But he's ultimately worried about your souls. And where that soul, what's the ultimate destination? Because this is a blink of an eye, this world here, guys. So. And then about having children in the future. Um, Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So you really have to... Uh, take uh, a lot of responsibility. You have to be prepared. Uh, Having children is a big, big responsibility. You need to pray on that. Uh, Every stage of having a child requires different skills and strategies. Um, And um, you just have to stay in the the word. Um, We don't have a owner's manual on children, but we do have the Bible, which is the owners, you know, the manual to our lives, and there you will find how to um, raise your kid, your children as well. This is a question for you guys, and it basically deals with the original original sin, right? It wasn't the apple; it was Satan. He's full of pride. It's full of pride. So, what Pastor Abel was talking about earlier is. Are you yourself an idol? Are you trying to play musical chairs with God, with his throne? That's not the kind of God he is. I mean, he's not going to respect you that way. He's not going to let his guard down. And, and just like right now, I'm looking at your faces. You guys look really, really serious. Well, you should take God's word serious. But let me tell you, again, I said it earlier about being full of joy. And the only way you can do that is to let Jesus be Lord of your life. It's the only way you're going to be free. 
Otherwise, you will have a lot of anxiety. You will have a lot of worries. You'll worry about everything, and you'll worry about your kids. And do you really want to do that? I mean, Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Now, earlier I said, I don't know if you guys caught it, I said, but this is God's gift. That God gave me this gift. And men, we are not ladies. We're so different. And you need to understand that. She's going to have different needs. I have different needs. She's going to have to understand that I have different needs. And she does now. We do. It's a learning process. But you're not, you're not going to put the cart before the horse, you know? So children is a huge responsibility because guess what? Those kids do not belong to you. They belong to God. And um, you are supposed to be the best steward with that. And I remember when, uh, you know, my old, our oldest and our youngest were actually my older sister's kids. She died of a catastrophic illness at age 32. And I promised her, yes, I won't let you suffer, you know, and yes, I'm going to take care of your kids. I mean, it was... It was unbelievable what was going on. But God spoke to me, broke me off one day, real bad. He goes, hey, you act like these are your kids. And here I am giving God like a response to that. Well, yeah, I gave my sister a dying declaration. Yeah, I told her I'd take care of the kids. Because I felt I let her down because, boy, did she suffer. She said, don't let me suffer and take care of my kids. So I'm like, man, I fumbled on that. Like, it's out of my hands, Lord, that's on you. Let me tell you, it's always on God. It's not on you. It's, jobs, it's God's job to worry, but God doesn't worry, guys. He, he doesn't worry. So basically, the Lord told me, he goes, you act like these are your kids. They belong to me, he said. And I felt, again, I said this on Thursday nights, I think when I taught back on December 8th. You know, it felt like there was duct tape on my heart, and it just ripped. And I was hurt. But then I quickly realized, like, wait a minute, he's right. How can I argue with God? How can I love these kids or protect these kids better than God? And so the standard's the standard when it comes to kids. And who sets that standard? You? And that's where these questions are going to lead to. You're not going to like some of the answers because guess what? We don't always agree with God, but can you learn to trust him? Can you learn to grow? So, um, watch your pride, watch your motives about being selfish, right? You know, you gotta be, you have to embrace about being sanctified, about growing. You're being transformed and the Holy Spirit's doing that and it doesn't happen overnight or you wouldn't value it. That's what long suffering is, but you're supposed to have joy of the Lord the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to get up and move closer and just take a breath, move closer. Not one row, but like, come on up here because I don't want you guys to miss an opportunity that maybe you missed it, you turned, you didn't focus. Because I hope you're, you're quiet, hopefully intenting to listen. Wait, the Holy Spirit might, might speak to me any second right now. You have a sense of urgency for that one thing that you should be praying every night. And you should be praying if you're married with your wife and your wife, you should be praying for you. So that's the recipe that God wants to. He wants to be included in everything. Well, as far as um, now the, you were talking about kids. And so um, discipline, you know, what, 
What's up? Yeah, about spanking of children. Um, well, this is what the Bible says. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, "He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently." Proverbs ten thirteen says, and it's the first reference to corporal punishment applied to the backside of a child. Okay. Um, God is recommending this because it's the most effective way on dealing with children and fools, the Bible says. So, Lupita, you want to read uh, 2215? Yeah, okay. uh, that 2215 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. And we all know that we're all born with a sin nature, and that includes little, tiny, cute babies. Um, as parents, we have to teach them to um, share. We have to teach them not to hit. We have to teach them um, to love. Well, not necessarily to love, because they do, they do love. But um, we have to teach them everything, uh, because otherwise they're just little selfish little brats if you don't. So, all right, let me read you Proverbs twenty three thirteen. All right, listen, listen to the words that he uses here. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. The point God is making is you're not beating your child. You're spanking, all right? Let's get it straight. Your child is going to survive a spanking. But is that child, when he grows up, and what God's trying to do is prevent an early death of him or her so you don't spend eternity in hell. See, you got to tell the whole story. Your feelings, and if you've had something in, in, in the background and, and someone's been traumatic, and we know people are being abusive. I mean, uh, the lifetime that I lived before, you know, I dealt with all kinds of stuff, walking into people's homes. I was a police officer for 32 years. So I've seen everything, things I wish I never would have seen. But God doesn't change, right? And again, is Jesus your Lord? Do you take God's word as the ultimate authority? Or are you going to come in and say, well, I can tweak this one. Now, there's other ways to discipline. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about what your, the Bible is saying here, right? And so sometimes, you know, a pat on the butt when the kid's young, obviously when you're young, it kind of resets the brain. Like, what, what, what was that? Well, that's exactly what you want. You want a child to start thinking about things that, oh, there could be repercussions. So when you're spanking, right, you're also, that's a form of love. Think about it. Parents... It's speaking to the parents. It's not speaking to the child. It's not speaking to the one-year-old, two-year-old, three-year-old in here, right? He's not reading the Bible here, trying to figure out, Lord, why, why, am I, why is my mom spanking me? No, he's not even there yet. He's just, so it's talking to the parents. So again, it's an opportunity to learn from parents, right? God's word. God is teaching parents here to trust him. Trust God. Don't trust yourselves. Again, parental discipline, any discipline now, it's because you love your child. You don't want your child, 
at Target being that terror, right? He, oh, my God, those kids at Target. All right. Well, that same kid that's at Target, guess what? He's going to go off to school. Or are you going to homeschool him or whatever? And then, which is fine. But you guys know, you guys are great actors. When you were kids at home, you act a certain way. You go to school, act a different way. When we're with this friends, you act a different way. God wants consistency in everybody's life. And he wants to be first in everybody's life. He's a jealous God. And he's not suggesting. He really isn't. So, yes, every kid's different. We've had three kids. You know, some of them responded a little better to the spanking or whatever the, the case is. When our oldest came, which he was about uh, almost 11 at the time, well, I think he was a little too old. And he was dealing with a lot. Listen, his, his father didn't want to be with him because his father was around. And he just lost his mother and saw her suffer horribly. So there's other things. So everything's different. We're all individuals. Every child is different. No one is unique. So yes, I want to acknowledge that. But I also want to acknowledge, well, this is what the Word of God is telling me here. You know, I'm, I don't, like the first question is like, hey, another one's what advice? I don't have advice. I don't want to give advice. I, my wife doesn't want to give advice. This is what we've been praying for. It's like, hey, this is an opportunity for all of us, even me, to hear from the Holy Spirit, to be convicted by the Holy Spirit, and then equals what? No, to follow through. Because if there's no follow through, you don't have a sense of urgency or you're, you just overruled God. Overruled. I'm going to do what I want to do. So yes, should it be severe? No, you know, in love and kindness, you explain things to kids, right? I mean, you're teaching the kid right there. Hopefully you don't spank him right away, right? There's got to be a learning curve here, and it's, like, it's, it's a correction, right? So no one's talking about being heavy-handed here. Again, the ultimate destination of what God's trying to tell you is like, hey, I don't, want, I don't want to lose this soul here. And if you don't believe that, look at the world. Zero discipline. Anything goes. Well, right on. Thank you. Yeah, and just so you know, like, man, they, they've raised their kids. I'm, I'm currently raising mine, and um, I'm, I'm looking to anybody who has already raised children and asking them, yo, how did you discipline your children? Because sometimes you just don't know, you know? So it's a good thing to have older people around you. Look at their kids <laughs> before you ask. Look, look, at, look at what their kids look like. And then ask for their, because if they got kids that are a mess, I I'm, not, I'm not asking too. that. It was, it was just all spankings, <laughs> wasn't But, um, yeah, so I, I, I want to get to more questions, but I just there's some, some quick things that I wanted to, to add to this whole conversation. Just real quick. Um, so as far as advice for, for if you're a new married couple or if you're, if you're looking to get married, be ready to change. Because everything that, that happens in your life is God. If, if you're a child of God, it's a sanctification process. It's, it's a tool for sanctification. So when you get married, be ready to change. You're not going to be the same person. And don't be so stubborn to think that oh, I'm just going to remain the way that I am. This is just how I am. I'm keeping it real. No, 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 no. Cut it out. Be ready to change because uh, the, the word says, husbands, love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. And it says, wives, submit to your husbands. That means submit to your husbands. And there's no way of romanticizing that. It's just it is what it is. Be prepared to change. And um, as far as children, advice for people who, who, are, who are planning on having children, who want to have children, 
everything that they said. Children are a gift from the Lord. God has given these children to you. If, if you are so blessed to have children, because I've learned that not every pregnancy is guaranteed to be completed, okay? I've learned that the hard way. So not every single person is going to be blessed to have children, but if you are blessed enough to have children, then this, is, this, this child is a gift from God. God is giving you the responsibility to steward and shepherd this young life to create a little, a little Jesus follower. And you're not gonna create a little Jesus follower, and I'm probably gonna be speaking to the men, but some of you women, you're not gonna create a Jesus follower by keeping your hobbies, all right? You, you are a parent. You decided to have a child, raise the child, okay? I've, I've, I see it so much with my generation and people that are older than me that they have children. It's like they're an accessory. Like I, st- I still got to go. I still got to go hang out with the boys. Yo, got to go do my thing. I still got to have I still got to have brunch with the ladies. No, you don't. You need to raise your children. So stop it. Raise your children. Those children are yours. They're, it's a responsibility that has been given to you by God to raise these little people to be strong believers in the Lord. And I praise God that my wife understands that because while I'm here at work, while I'm doing my thing at work, she's at home raising our children. My little boy can quote scripture. This little boy loves the Lord. He loves the Bible. This boy prays. It's praise the Lord. It's not, we didn't choose him. That's not the, that's not the child we chose. We were given that child and we're doing all that we can to, to make sure that this little boy and now our little girl are going to be raised in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord. That's the responsibility that you have. So if you have kids, yo, raise your kids, raise your kids. Okay. Don't think of it as, as an accessory. Okay. You guys just be ready for that. Be ready to deny yourself a whole heck of a lot. All right. All right. So next question. What does a submissive wife look like? Well, let me, let, me, let, me put it, let me put it to you this way. You mean, what does a strong, godly daughter or wife look like? That's how that question should be framed. All right. Um, well, Proverbs 31, and I think everybody knows about the women in Proverbs 31, and... Um, if you um, ladies, uh, we had a um, June Hever- Hegarty, I think was her name, in July came and did a study on the woman on 31 in, uh, on Proverbs 31, and it's in the um, archive on CWLA. Look it up. She did a really good job to, about it. But uh, um, that says, an excellent wife who, who can find her for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Um, There is no perfect wife. This was written um, by, I guess, some prince or king. The mother wrote him this, and it's just a list of all these godly attributes. And this woman, she, you know... I don't know how she has time in her day to do all that she was doing, but that is not a weak, submissive person. Um, and nobody, nobody can fulfill every single one, that the, every single characteristics of this woman. Um, but basically what she was, um, she was surrendering to God. She was following God and um, submitting to her husband because he is the head of the house, making sure that, um, that he's being well taken care of. And that does not mean that you're going to submit to, if it's not a biblical thing that he's requesting or asking, if it doesn't go with something that's biblical, you're not required to submit to that. 
but you are, you know, he's not going to ask me anything that's not biblical. But, um, but yeah, if you submit to your, your husband, that, that's a strength, actually, because sometimes you really don't want to. Because as women, we know we're a little bit selfish. We want to do our way, want to do our hair the way we want it. Well, he doesn't like it. Well, you know, I'm married to him. He doesn't like short hair. So I compromise. You know, I submit to that because that's important to him. Um, we're not the same. He is different. He thinks Big different. different. He feels different. We're totally opposites. And um, that's a good thing because we complement each other. But, um, but I have no problem submitting to him if it's going to make him feel better. And when you do that, believe me, you get what you want because they love you back for it. You honor your husband, he's going to honor you. Thank you, honey. Now, you know, even though we're both human, we are different creatures. She is a woman. I'm a man. So her needs are different. My needs are different. But my wife is a godly woman, all right? And so I think that's what equals submissive, is that she's submissive to God first, not to me first. I don't come before God. Nobody comes before God. So guys, pay attention now, all right? Here's where the rubber meets the road, and I think a lot of the questions had to do with this. So my wife is extremely loyal. Again, her loyalty is to God first. Then to the marriage, right, and to the family. So we're co-equal leaders, but men pay attention. If there's blame to go around, God's going to be looking for you. He's not looking for your wife. He's looking you to step up and be responsible. You are the responsible party, which means you have everything to do with your wife being godly by what? If you're leading. You, you know, the word of God is not like this, guys. And it's not telling your wife, hey, you got to do what I tell you to do. You guys got the wrong understanding of what being submissive is all about. It means usually because the blunt of the responsibility is on the man. And that's to be a godly man, to submit to God first. So you're going to want, wait, submit to me, but I'm not going to submit to you? Come on, guys, because that's, that's how you behave, and that's how we think, and that's how some of the questions came off that way. Same thing, ladies, if you're going to date on this stuff like this, you are not auditioning for, for a guy. It's not an audition. You're, you're just... Your, 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 your devotion stays with God. And I'm telling you, deep down, that's going to trigger the man that God has for you to step his game up. And if not, then he's not the guy. Because again, if this person doesn't love Jesus more than they love you, vice versa, right? But the other thing is, we got to make sure, because we're not the finished product yet, right? So there, there's got to be Something else, which means your focus is, again, back to your Lord. Because there's no higher joy than, than her getting the respect and love for my grown kids now. And now the grandkids. And how she treated her parents. That's another thing, guys. You know, there's a commandment. Talk about honor your mother and father. And then it says, yeah, leave and cling to this. But do you abandon your parents? You never talk to them. You never, you, there's no authority. 
Your parents don't have any authority in your life. I mean, they love you. Uh, so there's a misconception about saying, hey, see ya. I'm going to listen to everything my man's got. So, well, ho- hold on. You guys got to honor these people. And God said, honor your, your mother and your father. He does not have a clause there that says until you're 18. That does not exist on the Bible. Yeah. And here's the thing, guys. You know, it makes, it makes the ladies cringe at the word sometimes submit. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's been used to treat them like slaves or be mistreated, right? When these verses are ripped from the context and applied to women only, they become a tool in the hand of Satan, right? Because that's who's twisting scripture, let me tell you. And he uses this to what? To corrupt God's plan for marriage. So he wants to blow you up before you ever can get there. But you have a choice. Right? And then it applies to the wives in a marriage, but in Ephesians 5, right around verse 18 is when it's talking about that. The ultimate responsibility, again, though, is really switched to what? The husband. To love his wife in the way that Christ loves the church. So if the husband's not doing that, how am I helping her? But the demand is there, right? We want to be served. Like, not. And ladies, when you think about not submitting to your your husband and trying to steal the leadership role in any um, capacity at all, just think back to what Eve did. She uh, went over the leadership, not only of God, but of her, you know, her husband, and listened to Satan and took the apple, and you know what happened to the rest of humanity. And also, um, Sarah. Sarah um, went over the leadership of her husband, and her husband just allowed it. And what happened there with Hagar? Hagar had the child that God promised. Well, that wasn't God's plan. So those are two examples of not being submissive and just overstepping that leadership role. And uh, it has bad consequences. So just think about that. So... When a husband lives in obedience to God's expectation for him, men, pay attention, a Christian wife has little difficulty submitting to his leadership, right? It's not because I'm a man. No, you're leading. There's a difference. So again, no believer is superior to any other believer. Standing before God, you are equal in every way. And that's in Galatians 3.28. But in fear of what? In fear of God, in fear of Christ, that he's our father. He's raising us up. And if you're mistreating somebody, you know what? It's not that he keeps tally. He just doesn't miss anything. You're not fooling God. So your reverence for God is the basis for all submission. And this is directly, again, for the men. Because how you lead, who your God is, If you respect your God, do you follow through on your God? Are you playing God? And I don't think that's where you guys are at. I mean, this is Friday night. Look what you're at. So great. Take the anxiety out. But don't doubt. Don't think you're going to take God's ultimate authority away. You're going to stare him down. You're not going to win that stare down contest with God. You know, so. And by the way. He loves you, and then you get blessed. 
So, I mean, there's, there is no blessing without faith. And then you close it up with obedience. I mean, it's just, it's not going to work out. So. Right on. Well, thank you for that. Next question. Let's go. Which one? Oh, nice. Well, and, and we, let's, let's just try to get through <laughs> these. Let's try to get through these quick. Because uh, we're not going to be able to get to all of them and then already because y'all submitted like 30 questions 30 plus questions and we're not even gonna get to all of those and so let's um so what do i do and we can handle this one really quickly what do i do if someone won't get the hint and won't stop trying to date slash pursue me go ahead honey that's a quick answer real quick well did you ask the holy spirit if he is the one and if he isn't did you make your nose a firm no or was it a, no, 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 because you like the attention and you like to be flattered, but you really don't have, you know, the desire to be with this person, but you still like the attention. Yeah, we all want to be flattered, right? I mean. So ask yourself that. Not only that, I mean, how do you know it's not going to be your future husband, future's wife? So again, stay focused on the Lord. Do things the right way. Do it. Do, just be godly about things, you know, and have accountability. Amen. And yeah, why do they need to get the hint? Why, there shouldn't be a hint given. There should be a, please get away from me. <laughs> there should be a, excuse me, sir, I am not interested. And I would like you to stop, like for you to stop pursuing me, please. But Thank you. sometimes not. Well, did the Holy Spirit tell you that? I'm just saying, (laughs) you you have to be clear. Because with men, if you give us a centimeter, we will, oh, like, y'all remember the movie Dumb and Dumber? What are the chances of a guy like you and a girl like me getting together? One in a million. What does that mean? There's no chance. But the man, so you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Yes. Be clear. Be clear. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm saying. All right, uh, let's move on to the next question. Um, next question is, how do you know if this person is sent by God? So that's a valid question. All right. Listen, if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Are you inviting the Holy Spirit into every decision of your life? And then are you waiting for the response? And then, again, the follow-through. He will answer you. But what if you don't like the answer? Do you ignore it? So, again, a successful marriage is, you know, they don't come easy. It's, it's hard work. And even like being the single thing. They said that, you know, it's single. No, it's easier to be single. Because once you get all these moving parts, kids, marriage, I mean, it's, it can be complicated. I mean, to see Pastor Abel juggle his schedule with the kids, I mean, it's like, I laugh. I laugh at what we used to go through, you know? But now I'm laughing because we're getting grandkids. It's coming around. But guess what? Those grandkids get to go home, you know? Then it's like, as soon as they leave, you miss them, right? But again, listen, God's a good God. And God doesn't have magic. He has blessings. The way he does things seems magical to us because we can't understand it, right? So, again, if you want someone trustworthy, though, 
Don't you think it's a good idea that you should be trustworthy? Even though it's true that opposite personalities do sometimes attract opposites right here, all right? Even though it's true, it is untrue that opposite value systems can harmoniously coexist. So the Bible's clear, you know, be equally yoked. You know, you're disregarding God. Don't blow God off. That's where I go back to like, "Eh, everybody loves Jesus, but how many of you fear God? So 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be mismatched with unbelievers for what do righteousness and lawlessness share together or what does light have in common with darkness? And that's nothing. I guess she didn't like the gift, right, guys? She keeps <laughs> dropping the gift. Wow. What say you, Lupe? Here we go. I'm going to read one about Proverbs 21.9. It's better to live on a corner of a roof oh than a house God. shared oh with my. a contentious woman. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's quoted that many wow. times. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love wow. you, honey. Uh-uh. People really love that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so what, what do you think, Lupe? How, uh, do you have a response to that question? Like, how do you know if this I, person is You know is what? Like, I think... What you started off tonight with, I think, yeah. answers that. I don't think we need to go into it more. Um, if you love Jesus mm. and your Lord is Jesus, you don't have to worry about when somebody's going to come. They're going to come when Jesus says they're going to come. Um, we weren't, exp- I met him at the mall. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> expecting him. So, um, I, for those of you who don't know, a mall is when, like, it was a place where oh they yeah, had a lot of you, stores. Oh, yeah, they don't make those anymore? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Way back in the 80s. Was it 80s? Yeah. Yes. In the 80s. Y'all With the big hair. It. I had the big hair and all of that. Anyway. No. And the, and the, you know. Anyway, don't worry about those things. Yeah. Worry about you edifying yourself, growing in the Lord, don't worry about when somebody's going to come into your life, if he's the right one. God's going to bring the right one. You're not even going to know. Yeah, just, you know, if you're You're serving, not going to know when that's going to happen. If you're serving God, and that's the whole thing, wherever you're at, if you're at work, if you're busy, and man, you better be on it. You better be busy. You better be waking up with your hair on fire. Because God's trying, I'm serious, God's trying to raise you up because you're going to be responsible for a beautiful woman or stuff, I'm like, you, got, you don't have your act together and then kids come? It, man, it's going to be, it ain't going to be pretty if you don't have your act together, all right? And so I met my wife. Quickly, I went to go I was shopping for a Mother's Day present back in the day. I'm just so trying to... honoring his mother. And yeah, mother. I'm just walking in and, you know, See? she just happened to be there. And uh, it, I had to run out of that store because I thought there was four girls in there. And she says it was only her and somebody else. Hey, hey can you, you want to try this on? It's a girl's shop. It's a woman's shop. And, like, they're clowning me. So I didn't come back till a week and a half later, right? To, I didn't get courage enough because I was humiliated. Um, and that's another thing, men. God wants you to be humiliated because he doesn't want you caring about what anybody else thinks. He wants your attention. He wants you caring what he thinks, all right? And that's why I come up here, and I'm not embarrassing myself. I love my wife. I'm telling the truth, you know. I, I love buying stuff for my wife, you know, even I though she, she's I just the opposite. Worry. She doesn't like, no, so would you stop already? Would you stop? No, this is, it, this is me. I'm not changing for anybody. God's using my big mouth. And, uh, you know, I believe in being generous because 
My whole life changed trusting God. That was one of the things. Money was an idol in my life. I, I grew up without it. It was a big thing. So uh, surrendering that to God like everything else. And uh, on the topic of generous, there, there's pizza that Pastor John purchased for everybody. That was so a had it before service. Well, yeah, don't thank him. Thank Jesus. Yeah. But um, uh, we'll have some afterwards. Uh, we'll bring it back out. Um, but um, my response to that question, how do you know if she's the one or he or she is the one? Um, well, I mean, let's be clear. If you're a guy, how do you know if she's the one? If you're a girl, how do you know if he's the one? Just so we're, just so we're clear what kind of church we are, all right? We believe in the word of God. And so... Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, in the Beatitude, blessed are the, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall mm -hmm. see God. And we talked about how a different translation, a, a different way to render those words is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will be continuously seeing God for themselves. And when you are just focused on God, when you're pure in heart, when you're just focused on the Lord, just doing his things, saying yes to God, not, not opportunity comes up, you're like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. No, 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 just, just say yes to the Lord. Just serve him and pursue him. And when you do those things, when you, when you, are, when you are in his word and when you're in his presence constantly, Dude, things are less foggy. Things make more sense. Things are more clear. So when I met my wife as a friend, like prior to that, I was never sure about anybody, you know, because like I said, when you're in your early 20s, you're like, oh, is that her? oh what about her? Oh, is she, who, who is it? But when I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to be focused on Jesus, forget all that. When I met my wife, I was just like, this feels different. It feels a little clear right now. Like, this feels too clear. Like, nah, th this, this is it. This is it. And so when you are just wholly devoted to the Lord, things are more clear. If things are foggy for you, yo, get in the presence of God. Get in the presence of God and just, and just stay there. Just follow him. Be obedient to him. Say yes to whatever the Lord is asking you to do. And, that, and that's how you can know if this person is sent by God. So uh, next question. Um, I, I feel like this is going to be simple. Can you be friends with an ex? Somebody had that question. Honey, take that up real quick. Come on, give me what you got. Um, it's not advisable. All right. <laughs> Get to the point. Hey, no. All right. I'll be the bad guy. All right. I'll be the bad guy. No. All right. No. Yeah. I mean. Think about it, guys. Spiritually, the best parts of a lasting love with real emotion connection, I mean, you got an emotional connection now, right? That God is blessing. That's what me and my wife have. It, did, it doesn't start off that way, guys. But if you got option B still in your back pocket, if someone's not going to show out right, that says a lot about your character. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. And keeping a former boyfriend or girlfriend in the picture will automatically make a new relationship not exclusive. As it won't be you and the new guy, it will be you, the new guy, and your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend. And uh, sounds like your flesh likes that power, right? When you get angry, sometimes when you get angry, you're just, you're revving up and like, that's your flesh. That's your flesh. It's in your DNA. It's in every molecule. So sharing tender thoughts, feelings, and desires with two men are, you know, does not make you truly vulnerable in love, ladies. You're using your ex-boyfriend or men, flip it around, as an emotional backup in case the new love 
relationship fizzles out. In other words, there's no trust in God in there. You're not putting God first. You're, you're the master manipulator. You're running a game. So, Lupita, you want to read Proverbs 4.23, please? Uh, yeah, it says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. So, as a Christian, do you go backwards or do you go forwards? Because a Christian life is meant to be lived in only one direction, and that's forward. Get some, mija. Oh, my God. I'm fired up now. God. I tried, guys, to contain myself. I'm sorry. How many of you speak Spanish that are in here? First of all, put your hands up. Come on. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. So I, I didn't drop the ball. Okay. So, um, yet you are constantly tempted to look back to the world and the things that we left behind when you trusted Christ as your Savior. These are things you have to battle. Know it. All right? The danger is that if you keep looking back, sooner or later, you're going to find a way to go back, regardless of the consequences. All right, let's chew on that consequence. Yeah, and I will also say, uh, yeah, no. Um, but I'll, I'll say this, look, um, a lot of us didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, even if you did grow up in the church, it doesn't mean you were a Christian your entire life. Right. I grew up like a heathen. And for, like, don't get offended. It just means somebody who is, doesn't follow Christ, all right? Um, but I grew up as a heathen. I didn't I ain't get saved until I was 19, 20 years old. And so, consequently, there were relationships, there were exes and stuff like that. And so, I understand from that standpoint, if you're coming out of the world and you're following Christ, sure, you're going to have exes. So, yeah, absolutely not. No. Why? Stop it. But I will say this. As a Christian, I don't think that we should have exes as Christians. If you are a believer, from, from the moment you, you, you come into Christ as a, as a born-again believer, I don't think that we should have exes. Because you are going to be conducting yourself in such a way that you are not going to get emotionally, physically, uh, uh, whateverly attached to a person unless they are your spouse. And that's why you have to be very careful when you are pursuing somebody in a relationship. You really have to get to know this person as a friend first. Because, man, there's a lot of people that are trying to rush into the married things. There's a lot of people trying to rush into the married things. I mean, if you look at scripture, it was like, hey, servant, go, go to my family over here. Bring, bring back that girl so she can marry my son. And it's like, all right, cool. You, all right, let's go. I got some gifts for you. You want to come? Yes? Okay, great. You know, I mean, it wasn't forced. It was just like, hey, do you want to come? Yeah, all right, here's some gold. And so they came, and then they got married, and they did married things. But what you have now, because, I mean, that, that, that kind of, that cultural practice isn't, is, we don't do that anymore. So what you have now is you have a bunch of people who are walking around who are conducting and they're, they're doing married things, but they're not married. And so then when that relationship doesn't work, now there's a piece of you missing. Now there's a piece of you with that person. Now you have an ex. So that's why I'm saying, look, look there's, there's, no, there's no like straight line across the board where it's like, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. All I'm saying is you guys got to guard yourselves. You got to govern yourselves. Don't rush into doing married things because this person may not be the person you're going to marry. So really get to know a person as a friend. Get to that, I got to know my wife as a friend before I ever dared, you know, make a move. And, and I don't mean it like that. It wasn't, it was just like, hey, I like you. And, and then it was like, do you like me? And, and then when it was yes, because why not? But when it was yes, it was like, okay, well then now let's pray. 
Now let's really pray to see if this is what the Lord has for us, all right? So as a Christian, man, you, you kind of you need to avoid having exes by taking these, these, these precautions and these measures. Um, next question, how, and, and I had to ask what this, what this meant because I had no idea what this meant. How do you break a soul tie? And I know what that means. Well, now I do. Now I know too. And 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 let let me know if I got it right. So a soul oh, they tie. They just did. <laughs> a so, what? They just did let you know. Trust me. That's why they're laughing. Well, I don't know. A soul, when you're intimate with somebody. So this was Emma's question. It was not. <laughs> I'm just like. I'm just like. I'm just like. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Go ahead. All right. How do you break a soul tie? You're admitting you're sinning, all right? You got to repent, guys, all right? Um, and acknowledge, we talked a little bit about it already. God's, he's the ultimate supreme authority. Acknowledge you're doing wrong. You got before God. God's supposed to go before you. No, but you got up in front of God. All right. And you ask for forgiveness. But you're saying, how do you get over it? Well, hold on. If God's forgiven you of something, why haven't you got the memo? Why is there a lag time? Everybody know what lag time is? If something happens by the time you react, it's like, well, if God said it, why are you wait? Why is there a hesitation? Is it because you haven't forgiven yourself? You don't believe God? You don't take God at his word? And so, well, that's how you got in this jam to begin with. So, Again, break it. Satan's a liar. You're listening to your flesh. Your flesh is Satan also. It's called an adversary. Jesus doesn't do well with adversaries. He jammed Peter. Remember? Say, hey, get behind me, Satan. He jumped on him real quick because he's not going to put up with any of that. And that's, that was an, it's one of his disciples, one of the apostles. So Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, do not call to mind the former things or consider things of the past. So if you've gone to Jesus and you've repented, it's in your past. He's forgiven you. Verse 19, behold, I'm going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? You know, is you're going to be a bobo? And you're like, oh, what, God? Come on, snap out of it, guys. I will even make a road in the wilderness, he says. God has no limitations. There's only one unforgivable sin. And that's if you don't accept Christ. If you don't start living for Christ, then, man, I feel bad for you. So, Lupita, you want to pick up on that? Yeah. um, Yeah, repent, truthfully. But that does not mean that... You want me to read it? Yeah. Okay. So when Jesus says, go and sin no more, he isn't expecting a woman to leave her sinful flesh at the door and never be tempted again. He is telling her to say no to that temptation and that sin that dwells in her and stop the desire from being conceived. Stop the temptation from becoming a sin. So we're always going to be tempted, and there's always going to be that little voice, which is the enemy, trying to say, uh, you're still tied to this, what is it called, a soul tie? Yes. No, 
You repented. It's done. It's over with. You're a new person. Don't do it again. That's what a parent say. Okay, honey, I, I forgive you, but don't do it again. Just, and that's what God says. Yeah, the thing the Lord delivers you from will pale in, in significance in comparison with the future deliverance the Lord will give you, which is what? You're going to heaven. You've been forgiven of a lot. But it doesn't give you, you know, carte blanche to go sin and go against God. Again, the battle of the mind must be won with the Holy Spirit convicting you. Convicting you to give the Lord the credit and glory due that he has coming because you're agreeing with him that what you did was wrong and he's forgiven you and you don't want to dilute what Jesus did at the cross for you. He paid the price for that sin. Don't forget that. Your sins, I don't know about you, my sins nailed Jesus Christ on the cross. That makes me a murderer. But if you're one of those people, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I've heard it from other people, well, I'm not a murderer. Wait, well, hold on. I'm not a murderer. Okay, you're not a murderer. Cool. I don't know. God says sin, sin. But you're not a murderer, right? Your sins weren't that bad. I got it. Not bad like my sins, right? Did Jesus get on the cross for your sins too and take that? Go watch Passion of the Christ again. And that's the G-rated version. Passion of Christ is the G-rated version of what actually happened. I will say that, um, like I said, when I first read that word, I was like, what does that mean? And to me, what, what's, what, what stood out to me was, man, why are we creating these phrases? Like, why are we putting titles to these things? Because, like, it's, it seems to me that now that this thing has a name this thing has a title, now it has power. Yo, there's no such thing as a soul tie, all right? There's no such thing as a soul tie. And, and there is a truth to the statement that when you give yourself to somebody, sexually, emotionally, whatever, and then you have exes, yeah, a piece of you is gone because you have given yourself to somebody that should have been given to just one person. So I agree with that idea, but I'm not going to give it a name because now I'm giving it power. This thing has no power. I, like, they're, like they've been saying, we have been forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, and future. There's no such thing as a soul tie. I am a married man. I don't have a connection with anybody except my wife. All right? That's it. I, this, my sin has no power. My, my Savior died for me. He died for those sins. No such thing as a soul tie. Let's stop giving these, these things titles. Like, there was, like I said, there was a question, like, how do, I know, how do I know I need to enter into a single season? What do you mean? Like, let's stop, let's stop creating these titles. There, there's, there is no single season because then that implies you're also in a dating season. You shouldn't be in a dating season. Like, no, it's just follow Christ. Just follow Christ and believe everything that he has said about you and just focus on Christ. All these things, are, are, they're, they're distracting you guys, I promise you. They're distracting. They are distractions to, to pull you away from focusing on the one thing, which is Jesus. And when you do that, like, everything gets provided to you. Everything. Everything will get provided to you. All right. Last question. And it's about that time. This will be the last question. Um, during each phase of the relationship, this person asks, during each phase of the relationship, dating to marriage, when do you start being a wife? And I'm going to, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it the way it's written, okay? So the same me. I have a feeling I know who this is. Uh, but uh, when do you start being a wife? Because uh, us girls start, quote, wifing up ASAP, or guys tell us, or, or guys tell us, you're going to be my wife. Man, all the guys better be on the front row right now, man. Get, get, get down here, man. And then, and then, and then I'm going to say she, because this sounds like, well, she says us girls. Because us girls start wifing up ASAP, and guys tell us, you're going to be my wife. Like, what do we do? So, go ahead, honey, start you off. You will become a wife when God marries you. When you enter into that covenant. That's a big word, covenant. So allow the word of God to be the authority in mm. your life. Honor mm. God. Do not honor man. Covenant relationship, huh? Between a man and a woman before God. But you're really married to Jesus first, all right? So... Don't be so quick to try to want to be married in your struggling in your relationship with the Lord, right? Be faithful to him first because I know we've been, and you should, you should laugh about things. If you don't have a sense of humor now, you better get one by the time you're married, I'll tell you that. And then when kids come around, look out. Um, But there's, your God is a God of order. He created the universe. Planets are not colliding into each other. The moon did not drop out of the sky. He's got it. Trust him. But I'm telling you, men, I, I said it earlier, don't be, don't be a bobo. If God brings a godly woman into your life, right, don't mess it up. We're laughing. Don't mess it up, because that's what this question implies, you know, and, and, and the young ladies are acknowledging that, you know. Jesus endorses this definition, right, in Matthew 19. He quotes the Genesis account of marriage because it's still valid. And then he adds by saying, what therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. But again, don't put the cart before the horse. You're not joined yet. You're not married. All right? God talks about that you got to respect the law and this and that. Hey, you got to go get a marriage license just to get married. So, again, authority. But if God's not the ultimate authority in your life, which is that's what we started the night tonight with Pastor Abel came up and gave his devotional, his message to you guys about. So again, let me tell you, there are no shortcuts, and I know that's what your hearts and your flesh desires. Guard your heart, though, all right? Because the only shortcuts are long, rebellious detours. Can you guys hear me? I think my, there it is. Um, again, there are no shortcuts. There's only long, rebellious detours if you're not going to listen to God's word and God's ways. Men, knock it off. Don't be manipulative. You're trying to manipulate the thing, get, trying to get the ladies to audition a part for you. Like, you know, um, you know how I know if you're going to be a submissive wife, if you're not, it's like, no, nah, ladies, you should be working on yourselves. And guys, you need to be tightening that up, you know. Um, so, again, even the apostles, like I said earlier, they got checked by Jesus. And are you just a hearer of the word? You're here tonight. 
are you just hearing these words, these, you know, um, these Bible verses my wife read, uh, the godly message that Pastor Abel delivered? Because he has a responsibility. That's why he's coming. That's where he's coming from, all right? So, you know, he wasn't appointed here. Yes, Pastor Steve. And if you know Pastor Steve, boy, he vetted. He really vetted Pastor Abel, and I had no idea he was vetting me. Uh, I had no idea, nor did I want it. You know, everybody's different. Pastor Steve will tell you, oh, I want to be a pastor, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to be no pastor. You know, hey, I've, I've lived a hard life. I've been working all my life. I'm, it's time to retire. It's time to enjoy life. It's time. Listen, nowhere in the Bible does it say retirement. It does say joy of the Lord. And I got a good God. He's been really good to me. I cannot, in, in good faith, ask God for anything. I got a godly wife. She loves me. You know, we got kids. We have grandkids. I mean, and yeah, like I told my kids, and you're not getting in heaven because of me or because of your godly mom. It's one-on-one. So you're not getting into heaven because you got Pastor Abel here covering you guys. And yes, he's praying for you guys and stuff. What am I saying? Take your relationship with the Lord serious. He knows you better than you know yourself. He really does. And his plans are so far better than your plans. You cannot compete with the goodness of Jesus Christ. All right? You can't. Not on God's bad day. And guess what? God don't have no bad days. So... My wife and I, I mean, you know, we're here at church all the time. Those other questions, they can be answered. We actually did the work on each and every one of the questions. So, um, but for time's sake, like Pastor said, we've gone over. I know we've gone over. But if your question wasn't after you want to hear some, if we're here tonight, if we can answer it, we'll do it. You know, we're not running out of here right now, you know. Yeah, actually, they're staying for me. I'm going to head out right away because, you know. See ya. No, no, for real. I was, I was going to say that, you know, if you guys, I mean, we didn't get to all the questions, obviously. So if, there, if you submitted a question that you didn't hear answered, yo, come see us. And trust me, yeah, yeah, the work was done. But um, I do want to also add to the whole thing of, like, when do you start being a wife? Because us girls are wifing up ASAP. Or guys say, you're going to be my wife. So look, part of my testimony with my wife is when we were dating, I told her, like, maybe like a month or two months in, I was like, we're going to get married. Like, you're going to be my wife. But it wasn't like I was, like, handcuffing her, and it was like, no, you're going to be my wife. You know, like, no. It was just like, because I had already expressed to the Lord myself. I was like, Lord, when, when I said, when, when, I, when I cut off all women and, and dedicated myself to be a eunuch for the Lord, I, had, I told the Lord, I was like, I was like but, like, if, you, if, if I do ever if I do ever approach a woman, like that will be the one, like that's it. Like I'm not going to waste my time. Like the only, the only reason that I will approach a woman to tell her like, hey, I'm interested in you, even just, even just I'm interested in you, is that I have every intention in marrying that person. And so when I told my wife, I like you, that was me, me and the Lord, I was telling the Lord, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna marry this woman or I'm marrying nobody and I'm gonna be and I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life. So that, I communicated that to my wife. I was like, "We're gonna get married," but it wasn't like again. It wasn't like I am prophesying over you. Let me lay my hands over you so that you can fall backwards. And you're like, no, no, no. I just I was just communicating to her like, "Hey, I think you're gonna be my wife." 
And I just waited for the Lord to convince her of it. And boy, did he ever. Yo, look, if you guys ever see my wife, because I'm not going to try to tell the story. But if you guys ever see my wife, ask her about the story of, of when, like, the Lord confirmed through the word of God uh, that, like, oh, snap. Like, this dude, this, I think this dude is it. Like, I think this is the one. I'm not, again, I'm not going to tell her because I have a tendency to forget things and say things incorrectly. Like, my wife will listen to these messages sometimes, and she'll be like, that's not what happened. I was like, oh, really? I thought that's how it happened. Like, that's not really, we, we, oh, wait, what, we've, we've never been to Germany? Like, I thought we went to Germany. Like, no, no, that, that's not how it happened. Like, oh, my bad. Anyway, so like, I have a tendency to forget things. But, yes, so, look, you guys, it, it, it's, it's okay to think, like, oh, I think I'm going to marry this person. But, like, don't use it as a manipulated, uh, um, a, manipula- a, little, a, little, a tactic to manipulate. Don't use it like that, because that's not what it is. And, and, and ladies, don't start wifing up. Look, like, yeah. like they were saying, you are not married until you get married. The, guys, that, I'm looking at y'all. Guys, because I know who you are. Guys, who, who guys, you're married. Uh, guys. All of you guys who are in a relationship and are not married, that woman is not your wife. Yeah. That woman is not your wife. Like Pastor, like Pastor John said, she's not auditioning to be your wife. And ladies, I'm looking at you ladies, You're not you, that man is not auditioning to be your husband. And that is not your husband. You are not married. You are not one with these people. You are not one with them until... Before witnesses and, and conducted by somebody of, uh, of the faith, a pastor proclaims you man and wife before God and before witnesses, that's when you are married and that's when you are one. Before that, uh-uh, I don't care, but I love him. I don't care. You are not married, but yo, she fun. I don't care. That's not your wife. That is not your wife. So stop acting like it. Yeah. I, did, I did not marry, like, look, I, I didn't act like a husband until I was a husband. My wife didn't act like a wife until she was my wife. Like, how, how are you possibly, look, me, me and Pastor John were talking about this, and my, me and my wife were talking about this. Like, how are you possibly going to know, like, that this girl, that this woman is going to be, like, what kind of wife she's going to be? You don't know that until she becomes your wife. And then at that, she's not going to be that good at it because she's learning. And, and, and husbands, women, how do you know that this man is going to be a great? There's no way for you to know that this man is going to be a great husband. He's never been one, unless he has been, in which case, if that didn't work out, maybe that. I mean, that kind of, I'm think, I don't mean any offense by it. I'm not going to look at you, but I don't mean any offense by it. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. But Look, let, me, let me ask you a question, Pastor. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Sorry. So there came in a point in a time, I think, with Rennie, your wife, that did you consciously want her to treat her different than you treated any other young lady that you had come across or not? There came a point, yes. Yeah. yeah. Same with me. And that didn't come from me is what I'm telling you. Um, you start to sense, at least for the men, a sense of responsibility, of a sense of urgency. It's like, yeah, my game's not what it, it needs to be. This is a huge responsibility. And, um, you know, God wants you dreaming, but don't leave him out 
of any step of the way, mm. all right? Take the pressure off of you guys, uh, the anxiety. Um, you know, enjoy your youth. You guys are having a good time now. Everybody loosened up in the room a little bit now, finally, collectively. Um, but again, if you feel excluded like, or like you didn't hear God speak to you tonight on something, don't leave. Mm. Don't leave. We're going to be out there. If you have a burning question that's just burning, you know, it's on your head or on your tongue, you got to get it. It's cool. It's all good. But Jesus is Lord. You know, he's Lord and he's all of that. And I ask you, how big a God do you want? Because he's even bigger than what you can come up with. Amen. So, honey, you have anything else? Or? No. Um, don't stress about it. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to bring somebody or he's going to have a yeah, different path when you least expect it. That's, that's what happened for me. When you least expect it. Don't go out and look for it because you're not going to find it. No. Come on. Mm, he is baby. not Come hiding on, it from you. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. It, it, if somebody is meant for you, he's going to bring it to you. Yes. And don't forget to pray for them. And I, I guess what I was trying to say in all of my blabbering um, <laughs> was that when you're looking, when, when you're assessing that guy or when you're assessing that girl, don't, don't make your assessment from a place of well, how good of a wife is she going to be in the sense of, well, how, you know, how well does she cook? Or, you know, does she have childbearing hips? Like, no, like, this isn't what you're looking at. What you need to be looking at, sorry, <laughs> what you need to be looking at. No, that needed to be said, is, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> is, um, does she have a devotion to Christ? Yeah. Does she have a devotion to Jesus? That's what you need to be looking for. That's what I saw in my wife. She, she had a devotion to the Lord. She really was following Christ. She was serving him. She was obedient to Jesus. That's what you want. Because when it all comes tumbling down, when it all hits the fan, when you act like a complete jerk, you want a woman who is going to love Jesus more than she loves you. Because then she'll be able to put up with you and pray for you. Pray for you. And, 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 and men, when that, when that woman, when that woman is, is, is being um, irrational and emotional and, and what is wrong with her? Like, women, you, you want to make sure that that man loves Jesus more than he loves you. So it's not about, like, can he fulfill the role of a husband in these, like, these, these, these categories? It's all about how is his devotion to Jesus? Like, like Lupe was saying, take your, don't, don't rush into it. Don't look for it. Take your time and observe these people. Observe them. Watch them. Watch it. Like, are, are they truly devoted to Jesus or are they just doing it because they're like, oh, there's some fine girls here, so I'm just going to act the part. They will get exposed if you take the time to watch and observe. So don't rush into these things. Yeah. Just take your time. You guys, it, it really, dude, it, 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 just take your time. You have, if Jesus doesn't come back, we have a lot of time left on this, on this earth. If he doesn't come back soon, like, it, there's a lot of time. It's, the time is not that short. 
I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's weird. It's weird how it is. But, like, and just take your time. One last thing is um, God will bring it to you. If not, if you're looking for it, you know what the world does. I think the, the divorce rate right now is, like, 40, 50, 60% or something like that. I mean, everybody gets divorced, especially in the entertainment industry. But when you find that one person, that's for eternity. You want somebody you're going to spend eternity with, not just this life, but the afterlife as well. Mm -hmm. I want a woman devoted to Jesus and not devoted to Louis Vuitton. You know what I'm saying? Not devoted to the bachelorette. Uh, not devoted to uh, brunch with the girls. You know, like, my wife is devoted to my mic off. My wife is devoted to Jesus, and that's what you want. You want somebody devoted to Jesus. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. I thank you uh, for the opportunity to get into these things, Lord. Um, and now, Lord, as, as, as all of these things have gone forth, uh, Father, I pray that you would speak to all of us about these things, continue to speak to us. And um, Lord, I pray that you bless the time now as we get back into fellowship and pizza and all that other stuff. Um, God, just be with us and be in all of our conversations. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.